decision. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about walking differently. As we are impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ and given new life, we are called to walk differently. And we walk as those who are impacted by God's truth of his word. We're those who walk in light of the good news of the gospel. Their lives are changed and we walk as those who, who walk with Jesus. And it causes us to walk differently. And last week I I talked about how um, when we lived overseas, we were in lots of airports, and it's a wonderful place to, to just watch people, and how sometimes as you walk, uh, it reveals a little bit sometimes of what's going on in your heart, and I just mentioned how you might see that seasoned traveler who's maybe a businessman, and they, they just walk with confidence, they're not nervous, they get their coffee, they sit down, they wait to be, to be told they can go on the plane, and then the, the first time travelers who are just kind of anxious, looking around, looking at the board, looking, looking around, just wondering, did they say something? Did you hear? Did they say, do I need to? And you just kind of walk with an anxiety, and it reflects a little bit about our heart. And then I was reminded, too, as well as a time um, when we were traveling, I think it was before we had kids and before smartphones, because I would have definitely videoed this if I'd had a smartphone. <laughs> but we were sitting somewhere in the world, I don't, I don't remember where, uh, and they're in front of us, in the waiting area in front of us, there were a couple um, moving um, sidewalks. And it wasn't in, at DIA, it wasn't in DIA, but there was a couple of them there. And, and as people would come up to one of them, they kept stumbling and tripping. And we were like, what is going on? Is there something, is there like a brick there? What are they tripping on? And then we realized that that moving sidewalk was just turned off. So people were just walking and expecting, and they would just trip, and they were just unaware of what was going on, and they were just, just kind of would trip over, over just an unmoving sidewalk there, and there was nothing crazy about it, and it was just the funniest thing, and I wish I'd had a camera to video, but sometimes we walk as those just, we're just unaware, just not looking at what's going on around us, and we walk through life a little bit that way, and as Paul, in Ephesians, he talks this week we see a couple things. He talks about us walking in light as opposed to walking in darkness and walking in wisdom as opposed to walking in foolishness. And, and we do need to walk, not as those who are unaware, but eyes wide open, discerning, and looking through things through the lens of God's word as he shines light upon us through Christ. We're to walk that way. And, and we've seen in Ephesians quite a few times Paul uses that word walk. It began in chapter 2, where he said, we once walked in sin. We walked, used to, to walk as those who were, were dead. Um, no life. But Christ gave us life, and we were given life, and we were dead to life in Christ, and we walked differently. And Paul, then in chapter 4, says that we need to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, of the calling that we've been given, that we have this new calling, we have new life in Christ. We're made alive, and, and Christ has lavished upon us His grace. So we're called to walk differently. And last week we saw that we were to be imitators of God uh, as beloved children, that he loves us. And as children imitate their parents for good or for bad, we're to imitate our God, and that is for good always. Uh, and he says, in what way? To walk in love. That's the first thing he says, walk in love. As Christ loved us, as Christ is one who gave his life for us. He gave himself up for us. And that's how we're to walk. And then... We also saw last week that we're called to walk in holiness. He doesn't use specifically the word walk there, but he calls us to walk, though, practically in holiness. As those who are saints who are set apart, our lives are different. And we're to walk that way, not in the, the immorality of the world around us that is really a self-seeking, 
self-pleasing, self-gratifying life apart from God's design and called to holiness. And we're called to walk. And then again this week, walk in light, walk in wisdom. We're going to see as we, we dig in to this text. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21 is where we're going to go today. And as I read it and we see this beginning, walk in light, I'm actually going to begin in verse 7. Read verses 7 and 8. Therefore, do not, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So he calls us to walk, and first he says, hey, don't be partakers of those who are really, if we look a little bit farther back in verse 6, are sons of disobedience. Don't be partners with those who walk in darkness. Don't walk that way. You're to walk di- distinctly. Your life is different. And why not? Because you're now in light. Because Christ has shined, shone upon you. You're not in darkness. We were once dead in sin. Remember in chapter 2? We were once dead in sin, but we're made alive. We're in darkness. And there's this total change of identity, though, now in Christ. We're new in Christ. From darkness to light, dead to alive. And Paul Paul says that it's just unthinkable for us then to walk in darkness because there's this utter change. But at the same time, as he writes this letter, he clearly, he needed to remind the church. He needed to remind, hey, this is where you were. This is the change change that has happened. Now walk in it. And we need to be reminded as well. I know I do. Even this morning, if you're in Ephesians already, just look back a few pages to Ephesians 2. I just wanted to read some of these reminders of these things. This is chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work. Oh, I turned too far. (laughs) My finger was in the wrong place. In the sins of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We need to be reminded of those things. You were once in darkness, but now you're in light, so therefore walk in that. That is our response as we realize that we're no longer in darkness, but in light we, we walk as children of the light. It should affect the way that we walk. We're to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, worthy of the gospel, and not walk, as he, Paul says in, in chapter 4, verse 17, we don't walk as the Gentiles, essentially he's saying, don't walk as apart from Christ. There's this newness, and we walk in love as we saw last week. And it's an active, walking isn't sitting. Uh, walking, there's a moving to it. we actively seeking out to really to throw off sin in our life, to throw off ways that are really walking us to destruction and not walking us to life in Christ. We walk serving one another. We walk loving one another. It's active. So walking also, it's a daily thing. It's something you do every day. It's a necessary part of life. If you don't walk 
If you're 100% sedentary, it's just not good, even physically, but spiritually as well. It reminded me of a movie um, that I watched. We will, probably is with the kids, but even before that, Wall-E. Do you know that movie from Disney, Wall-E? Now, if you haven't seen it, I might um, spoil it a little bit, but goodness, it's an old movie. So, um, but it's about the Earth, and there's like a robot, and apparently there's some sort of horrible nuclear something happened, and all of humanity had to get on spaceships and go up into space and um, survive in space, and kind of, to, I guess, to pacify everybody, everyone on these spaceships just sits like in this floating lazy boy recliner with a screen in front of them and they, they just instead of eating solid food I think they're, they just drink like shakes or something and, and they don't really do anything if they're going to do activities they virtually do it on the screen and if like there's someone next to them instead of talking to them they just talk to them through the screen and they're just like big jello blobs of people <laughs> if you remember that it's really it's unhealthy, it's not pretty, but that, there's this picture of, of 100% complete inactivity. Uh, but here we're called to walk, but in our spiritual lives, it, it, sometimes it pains me, and I look at my life sometimes, and I'm like, the Lord's calling me to do this, and I'm like, mm, I don't think so. And then sometimes, because we have blind spots, we don't always see that in our life, but we see it in other people really well, and you're like, man, and it just pains us, but it is. It's unpleasant. Um, we need to walk, and we walk in light in the truth of the gospel, and we also reflect light. We reflect the gospel through our lives, that we are children of the light. And it's a bit like if you've ever been camping in the mountains, and maybe you're in a good spot where you're kind of in a space where you can see out over other mountainsides, and if it's dark at night, and there's one campfire, one house, it could be a mile, it could be two miles away, and in that darkness, you see it, and your, lights, your eyes are, are drawn to that light because it's distinct from the darkness. And, well, and that's how we're to walk as children of the light where people's eyes are drawn to us. They're like, there's something distinctly different about them, and it's good. They're walking in love. They're laying down their life. Um, it's because we're walking as Christ. We should be. So what does it look like? Verse 9. You see verse 9 there. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Where there's fruit of light. It's displayed in goodness and righteousness and truth. They're marks of the one who walks as children of the light. There's fruit that's born that comes forth as we walk in light of that of goodness and righteousness and truth. And people's eyes are drawn to it in a dark world that doesn't see that. It should be drawn to that. And as we talked about when we looked at John 15 uh, last year, as we talked about Jesus and abiding in Jesus, so we're to bear fruit. The main command is that abiding, and the result is that we bear fruit. And as we walk in light, there's a, a resulting fruit of walking in goodness and righteousness and truth. And I think this is also for us a way that we can also sift through our life as we're thinking, how do we walk? How do I make this decision on, on my activities? Well, is it marked by goodness and righteousness and truth as i thinking about should I do or not do this? Should I pull this or not pull this up on my screen? Is it good? Is it right? Is it true? Does it reflect the Lord God? And the, how do we walk this way? What are some ways that, that, that this scripture kind of tells us? How do we walk? Verse 10, and try 
to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So we daily seek to learn to discern what is pleasing to our God and walk in that way. We seek out light. We seek out the scripture. We seek out God's word that he's given us that teaches us how to walk and walk in discernment. We need to see how do we walk. And again, it's, it's not this passively absorbing kind of the culture and the ethic of our world, but going to God's word and be, so it can be discerning and know and understand. Sometimes we do walk kind of just without looking and paying attention to what's going on around us, but we need to be wholly thoughtful. We need to, as it says in Romans 12 too, that we need to be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it, it's a good thing. Uh, it's good to know God's word. Recently, I've been in listening to a sermon series um, by a pastor who's walking through 1 Peter. And the passage, there's just a few of the verses that kind of really prompted my heart just to think about some of these things. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12, and we walked through these um, a while back as well as a church. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So he talks about us as being sojourners in this world, that really following after the standard and the word of our God, and people see that, and ultimately... We'll see our good deeds and, and see the witness as we walk in light, and it'll point them to Jesus, and they'll be able to glorify God. And this pastor goes on to talk about how it's good to seek out God's good standards of his words. It's not, it's not a chore. This is how he spoke of it, and I thought, man, this is perfect. The moral law of God is all about God's glory and your joy. God is not after your begrudging submission to misery. I love that. God is not after your begrudging submission to misery. I think that what, that's what caught me. How could God be glorified in that? God is about flourishing, not floundering. God is about flourishing, not floundering. Again, that phrase, I was like, man, that's just perfect. God's word is about flourishing and not floundering. God's word is about our joy, not begrudging misery. It's good. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 119 can write things like this. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. And think of other verses in Psalm 119 that speaks of God's law as that, that it's sweeter than honey. It's better than the finest riches. It's because God's word and his standard is, is not about, again, our floundering, but our flourishing, not about misery, but about joy. In its standard, we need to just pray, Lord, help me to be discerning. Lord, help me know even to discern what is pleasing to you. And know and understand your word that I can walk in light. And it's a prayer we can always be praying as we want to walk as children of the light. And then verse 11, I continue and uh, we're called not to participate in darkness, but instead to expose it. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. This word expose, maybe in your translation it says reprove. 
It's kind of that idea of laying bare to drag something out of from darkness into the light. You're pulling it in. You're exposing it. It's a bit like if you were to, to go into a room and you didn't know it, but it, uh, the floor is covered with cockroaches, and you turn the light on. What, do you, what happens when you turn the light on? Well, we all scream. We all scream. But after they, we do that, the, those cockroaches, they scatter. They've been exposed. They're like, oh, I've got to find a way to get out of here. So it's that sort of idea, that picture of exposing. How do we expose it? Well, we do it through, as we walk according to God's word and walk in holiness, it begins to shine that light of, to people around us. And then we speak as we speak the gospel and we look to God's word. It, it exposes that light and can reveal sin. And it's not just to reveal sin for the purpose of just like, ha ha, look at your sin. No, but so that it can be like, I need Jesus. There's salvation to come. So there is a purpose to exposing that darkness. And we also, as, as Paul has taught us in Ephesians, we speak truth and love to one another. That's what we're called to do to one another. That's exposing darkness in, in one another's lives. I know we don't like that, right? But we do have blind spots. And they're blind spots that we don't see because they're blind spots. And we need to speak truth and love to one another because we all need Jesus. We all need it. And sometimes we can see Sometimes we see a blind spot in someone because you're like, man, I walked through that. I battled with that, and I understand that. So sometimes sin and darkness can be exposed in community, too. We need one another in that. Another way I think that there's an exposing of darkness, just even in our own heart, is just confessing of sin. I mentioned a few weeks ago that a lot of times the power of sin in our life um, is great until we confess it. And then there's just, by God's grace, I think a breaking of that sometimes, of that power that that sin might have over us. And we're called to expose that and, and confess to one another that the Lord might do a work in our heart. Again, it's not exposing for, for the, the sake of just belittling or humiliating, but so that the light of the gospel can flood in and there be truth there. So why, why not? Why not? participate but expose why is that the case well even in this this verse here we see that's unfruitful take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness it's unfruitful or you might say the fruit that it does bear is like decayed rotten um, stinky it's it's not good as i was thinking about just decayed rottenness uh, so a story i i really i can't believe i've never shared this before um, but it reminded me of this, this reality. Uh, when we lived overseas, often after about three to two years, two to three years, we'd come home for six to three months, depending on how long we'd been overseas. And, and we'd just leave our apartment as is. And then we have some friends um, that would have come and check out, make sure everything was okay in our apartment. And um, the very first time we went home for six months, somewhere in the midst of that time, well, I don't know why we did this, but we left um, in the freezer some meat in the freezer. And um, in our apartment, a breaker flipped, and, and it was a breaker that went to the freezer. And um, so I don't know how long. It could have been weeks you know, that went by. And our sweet friends, um, Shane, our, our, our friend Shane, he went over there and smelt death in our apartment. <laughs> just decaying rotten death in our in our apartment and 
and it was still months for us to come. So he couldn't be like, oh, I didn't know about that, you know, because <laughs> I'd be even more dead by the time we got there. And so he graciously cleaned out our fridge and put all that rotten flesh into a bucket. And we were, I've told you before, we lived on the 26th floor. So he'd have to take it in the elevator. And like people would try to come on and be like, no, you don't want to come in here. We got death in here. And I don't know. They cleaned it out, and we still were able to use that freezer. I don't know how, but but there there's a sense where there's a life apart from Christ. There's a decayed death in it. Even so, we can give testimony in this room, right, of the decayed death that has been in our hearts before Christ, and how when He showed His light upon us, that He transformed us, and we need to pull that out and expose it. Um, because it isn't fruitful. Verse 12 says, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And there's a shamefulness to it. It's not that we don't address sin, but we don't honor it and lift it high. Um, We shouldn't speak of it in that way. And then verses 13 through 14, we see the character of life. And it makes things visible, but it also totally transforms them. And we're talking about that already. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. So it makes things visible. As it, you shine on it, it is visible, it's seen. And it doesn't just reveal and expose. And we know at the culmination of the coming of Christ that the light of Christ will shine in all things and all be, will be exposed. But we also see that the light of Christ, it also can transform. It says, for anything that becomes visible is light. There's a transformation that can come when the gospel comes into our lives where it's radically, there's a radical change that can happen there in that thing, in that life. And again, we could give witness here of ways where we've been in darkness and the Lord's shown in and there's light. He transforms. And then verse the second part of verse 14, we have this wonderful transforming call of Christ. I love these verses. Therefore, it says, Awake, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, this phrase here, uh, it's maybe was a hymn. We're not totally sure, but probably based on Isaiah 60, verse 1. In a hymn that the early church sung, maybe they sang it at baptisms or at Easter, and they sung this and spoke, Awake, arise, O sleeper, arise from the dead, that Christ might shine on you. And this is a beautiful statement. You can see it at a baptism being sung or at Easter morning, just singing these truths of Christ shining upon us, going from death to life, going from children of disobedience and darkness to children of light, that he does a radical work in us from rotten, decaying flesh to, to true fruitfulness in him. And sometimes, though, too, as children of the light, sometimes we do we'll like to hold on to a piece of that rottenness at times, don't we, at times, that there's things that takes us a little bit to, to let go of and release. Sometimes it's envy or lust or covetousness or bitterness or angry or our viewing habits, or whatever it might be, but we need to be reminded that Christ has shown upon us and we have new life in Him. We've gone in Christ from decay 
to new life. And we were reminded, too, that Jesus Christ is, is not in the grave. We're beginning, we're going through a time, a season in our calendar where Easter is coming. Resurrection Sunday is coming. Next week, we'll, we'll, do, we'll look at Palm Sunday and, and look at some passages on Palm Sunday and then, then Easter. So we'll take a couple weeks from Ephesians is what I'm saying. But we're reminded um, that Christ is not in the tomb, that he is risen, and that he calls upon us, shines on us. And then we see walk in wisdom. Now we're going to go through this a little quicker, so don't, you don't have to worry. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I don't have another 20, 30 minutes on this. So um, 15 through 21, walk in wisdom. I know my son's excited now. No, I'm just joking. So walk in wisdom. Okay, look Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk, on, drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in, in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So there's a call to walk in wisdom. Um, not in, in foolishness. Walk as wise, not as the unwise. We walk as those who are wise who are informed by God's word. We've talked about that already, by his good standards, good word. We're to walk in that wisdom and kind of throw off those wasteful things. Instead, redeem the time, make the best use of our time. But with, there is, in our day, so many things that are made just to suck our time, like intentionally made to waste our time. Uh, think of... If you subscribe to like Hulu or Netflix and you're watching a TV series, when you get to the end of one of the episodes, what happens? There's this little, you get like five seconds to find your remote to turn it off. Because, you know, if you get started again, there's times where we've been like, we, we just will like to like just one at a time. And, and then, but if you get started, you're like, oh man, we got to keep watching. But they do that to suck you in, to waste your life. And it says, no, redeem the time. Be wise. God's word, it's not... It's not to suck you dry, but to give you life. We need to walk in wisdom, redeeming the days, redeeming the time, making the best use of our life. Even it's, I like how my phone weekly tells me my screen time, if it's gone up or down. It's kind of like, did I, how much of my time did I waste? You know, did I redeem or did I waste? It? Just kind of a reminder, you know, how, how are we using our time? And then in verse 17 again, do not be foolish, but understand the will of God. Understanding God's word, not being foolish. And there are times where sin, where there, sometimes it offer, we have something offered to us. We have a good choice and, and something that is less than good. And sometimes I know we're just gravitating. We're like, oh, this is easier. I just think I, I don't. Uh. And we can struggle and wrestle in sin, but maybe walk in understanding by God's word. And sometimes it's a, it's a more difficult road. But it's the road that leads to life. Remember, we've talked about how there's all these refuges in this world. That, this is refuge, but ultimately those refuges are, are refuges of bones and death. May we, we go and say to the, our king who is our rock and our shield. Think of Psalm 1, 1 through 2 that speaks about how we're to walk. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on that law, he meditates day and night. This is what we're called to do. And then it says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the idea of being, being drunk is that of 
of just foolishly allowing another substance to control our life and our actions that leads even to more excess and end in ruin. So it's a call to, to be wise, to be filled instead what by the Holy Spirit, to be filled, to be led, to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Instead of resting in a substance, rest in our God to strengthen us, to guide us, to be our life. And then being filled with the Spirit, as you continue in verse 13 or in 18 to 19, we see, well, how does that flow? How does that flow out? What does that look like? What is even what's the environment where we are filled with the Spirit? Well, 19, address one another in psalm and hymn and spiritual song, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So as we gather together, as the people of God gather together and we sing truth of our God, this is an outflow of the filling of the Holy Spirit and also an environment when we, we are filled up by Him. As we gather together, we need one another. And that's why one of our core commitments is that of of worshiping God passionately. That's a, the cross. It reminds us to worship God passionately and then connecting with one another authentically, connecting care. We need, to, we need one another. We need to gather. We need to speak truth and love. And sometimes we do that through singing. And we do it singing with melody in our heart. So it's not just lip service, but it's poured out true worship in our heart. And it can be hard sometimes when we gather. We just have so many things maybe going on in our heart and our mind to be able to calm our heart. And I know even for me in the mornings, it's hard because there's different things going on. Maybe, maybe something's wrong with the sound or I've, I've forgotten to do this or that and thinking about this conversation I just had or that. And so I have to calm my heart that I can sing to the Lord God and ask just for the Spirit to, to fill us up as we gather together and lift song of praise to Him. And then verse 20, give thanks. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're people that we're called to give thanks for everything in all circumstances, for all things. And as we're filled up by His Spirit, as Paul even prayed, remember he prayed that we'd be filled up, that His Spirit strengthened in the inner man so that Christ might dwell in us. That gratitude will well up in our hearts. And the more that we understand His Word, we discern what it means to walk in wisdom, there'll be greater thankfulness that wells up in our heart as well as we're reminded that we were once dead and we're now alive. And then verse 21, submit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another. It goes back to, to chapter 4 even of Ephesians where we're reminded that we, and in chapter 2, where we were all those who were once dead, we're now alive. We're all those who are one in Christ. We have the same Savior. We have the same gospel. And when we're reminded of that, we'll submit one to another. And I know submitting, it's not a really popular phrase in our culture, right? Because we're, we're called that our greatest value is by looking within and to submit to one another, saying that, that we, we are looking to Christ as he's laid down his life. And we want to lay down our lives in love and serve one another. And that, that same sermon on First Peter that I mentioned earlier, the pastor also, because in First Peter, they also, uh, Peter's also writing about submission, and he gave this definition of submission, and I was like, man, that is good. That, that is so much better than anything I would come up with. So I was like, I got to look at that. But this is from Matt Chandler. He said, submission is the right response of people to the commands of God. It's willingly setting aside your desires and needs to honor the desires and the needs of others. I think that's a pic- good picture of submission. 
It's willingly setting aside our desires and needs so that we can honor the desires and needs of others. And we submit, we lay down our lives that we can serve others. And I think of Christ Jesus, who was one who took a, a towel and a basin and he washed his disciples' feet and redefined what love and service and leadership is. And we are called to do those. And in a couple weeks after Easter, we'll talk more about submission uh, to one another and in our different relationships within marriage and with kids and parents and all of those really um, things that in our culture today would be like, ah, I don't know if you can talk about that, but we're going to. Um, because that's the Lord. These are good things. Again, life-giving things um, that he has given us. Uh, let's pray this morning. Your Father, God, there is just so much in these texts. And we're reminded that we're called to walk differently because of what Christ has done in us. And we need uh, Jesus. We're reminded that we were once dead, uh, but now in Christ alive. And we pray Lord, we pray that you would continue to work, do a work in our 